in 10,000 years. and It's hard for me to imagine a land with no time. We're so constrained by time on this earth. And uh, 10,000 years will go by and you won't even realize it. Because there will be no such thing as a year there. But it will just be now. It will always be now. And it will be forever. What a day. As we were thinking a while ago and Brother Steve was talking that one day his name is going to be called and one day after I'm long dead in the grave, just as the voice of Jesus penetrated the grave of Lazarus and He said, Lazarus, come forth. I'll hear my name called one day and out of the grave I'll come forth. Ten thousand years will go by and after such a long time, I don't know that I've yet begun to thank Him for all He's done for me. But there we'll meet Him, as that song just said. There I'll meet the One who died for me. What a blessed Savior. Somebody, something on your heart. I know time has got away from us, and I don't intend on preaching, but I am going to read a few verses. Um, in Leviticus chapter number 16, and this is, uh, I guess, very similar to the same message I preached last week about the law. Um, this, was a, this is about the Day of Atonement, but, uh, but I've just had one thought on my heart all week, and it's about a scapegoat. And we hear that word scapegoat mentioned a lot in life. Well, so-and-so's just the scapegoat. In other words, a scapegoat is somebody that we assign blame to that really had no fault in the matter, but we assign blame and that one man or woman becomes a scapegoat and, uh, and carries that blame whether he did it or not. And, and, and so this is the um, dealing with the, uh, the atonement. Uh, prior to this, and in the 10th chapter, this is so almost a continuation of the 10th chapter, you have the sons, the sons of Aaron, Nadad and Abihu, who offered strange fire before the Lord, and He killed them. And, uh, and they started meddling in and around that holy place that wasn't lawful for them to come into. Only the high priest was allowed to do that, and that was Aaron. And so I mentioned to you last Sunday that there was a place at one time on this earth that if a man walked into, he would die on the spot. And, uh, and that place was inside that tabernacle that Moses built. You have to understand, even when they would take the tabernacle down and, and begin to carry it in the wilderness journeys, the men carrying it couldn't even see it. For Aaron would have to go in and cover the Ark of the Covenant with badger skins. And, uh, and that represented the holiness of God. And it had to be carried in a certain manner. And, and, and badger skins had to cover this place, this Ark of the Covenant. And, uh, and so even as they were carrying it about, there was a prescribed method. And, uh, and friends, today there is still an ascribed method on how that we make our approach unto God. Uh, and it has to be by the blood of the Lamb. 
Uh, it's the only way that a man can approach a God that is so holy and so pure is to come sanctified with the blood. But here we have in the 16th chapter uh, the most holy day of the year uh, to the Hebrew people and it was the day of atonement, the day that the high priest was able and allowed and, and moreover invited in to that holiest place. For inside the temple and the tabernacle that Moses built and later on inside the temple that Solomon built, uh, there was a there was the courts and the porches where the common people could come into. And then there was the sanctuary where only the priests could go into. And then beyond that, there was, there was a double curtain or a veil. And inside that veil was, was the holiest place on this earth where God would meet with man and he would meet with Aaron and later on Aaron's sons. Uh, but but uh, the, the New Testament tells us that by reason uh, of death, the high priest could not always live. So Aaron died and Aaron's son, uh, Eleazar, I believe, took the place of the high priest. And there was an unbroken chain of succession from the high priest out of the tribe of Levi. Jesus Christ did not come out of the tribe of Levi. He came out of the tribe of Judah. Uh, but He was the ultimate high priest that all of these shadows and types looked forward to and, uh, and, and the Levitical priesthood was done away uh, at the cross of Calvary. Uh, for as I said last week, when Jesus Christ died and He said it is finished and He bowed His head and gave up the ghost the Bible said that thick curtain or that veil that separated man from God was torn in two. And I, I'm telling you, the more I think about that being torn in two, uh, the more it blesses my soul. Uh, if it had still been up, then I would still need a mediator between me and God. Uh, but because that was torn from the top to the bottom, and the Bible said when He died there was an earthquake, and the veil of the temple was torn in two, thereby giving man access to God that man had never known, that man had never had. But by a new and a living way, man could now come before God with boldness to enter into that holy place that before they were not allowed to enter. And so here we have in the 16th chapter of Leviticus, and in, uh, in uh, verse number 3 it says, This shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering uh, and a ram for a burnt offering. And he shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh and shall be girded with a linen girdle and with a linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and put them on. So this was Aaron, who normally the high priest wore a breastplate of righteousness and sort of set him apart from the people. Uh, but when he was coming in to do this sacrifice, he would just put on him the plain linen. And that is a picture of the humiliation that Jesus Christ disrobed Himself of all of His glory and came down as a humble servant among mankind. That's what that represents. 
But it says, He shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering which is for himself and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. So here you have two goats that represent one offering. Two goats that represented one offering. Uh, skip down to verse 20. And it says, And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities into a land not inhabited, and he shall let the goat go in the wilderness. And I'm going to stop there, and I'm not going to preach, but, but just, a, just a little bit about this scapegoat. And, and, uh, and the thought, can you imagine what it was like? The common people on the Day of Atonement... Uh, not even the priests were allowed to go into that sanctuary, and not even the outer sanctuary, but, but the high priest had to do this totally alone and by himself. And again, that's a picture of Jesus Christ having to tread the wine press of the wrath of God alone. The Bible said in that night, all of His disciples forsook Him and they fled. And He, my friend, treaded the wine press alone. He went alone. He took James, John, and Peter into that garden of Gethsemane. But when He went forward, that Gethsemane, that word means an olive press. It was a place where olive trees would grow. And it was, a, it was an olive press. And there, uh, Jesus Christ became pressed down in spirit. And He said, Now is My soul exceedingly sorrowful unto death. And nobody around Him had any idea, but He could feel the weight of the sins of the world being pressed upon Him. And there it was that He began to sweat great drops of blood. But I thought about how that the people that were standing on the outside of that sanctuary, when they saw the last bit of Aaron walk into the Holy of Holies, they had no idea what was going on inside there. But they knew He went in with the blood. And after He went in with the blood, as I said last Sunday, I began to sprinkle the blood in and around and before the mercy seat and upon the east of that mercy seat and upon the horns of the altar uh, to make an atonement. Then the glory of God would come down. 
and the people had to wait outside almost with bated breath waiting to see their high priest return unto them. And so He came back out on that Day of Atonement after making up an offering for His own sins and for the sins of the priest. Then He would go back in and offer up sins for the people. But here we have a representation of two goats but those two goats made up one offering. And those two goats represent the Lord Jesus Christ in different ways. Both His Godhead and His humanity. And my friend, He cast lots. In other words, they would have a basin or a jar or a bowl and they would have lots put in there. And they felt the same and they looked the same. So by reaching in, the priest had no idea which one was which. They both felt equally alike. But as he drew his hands back out, he had the two goats that were brought forth and they were identical. They were without spot. They were without blemish. They were the same size. They were the same color. They were the same weight. In other words, there was no distinction between these two goats. But they let God decide by which lot He brought up, one in His right hand and one in His left hand, and He placed them on the heads of the goats. And my friend, the lot on whose uh, the gold on whose lot uh, the Lord's lot fell, uh, the high priest would have to kill. He would have to drain his blood. And then they would take that goat outside the camp and offer it for a burnt offering. And meanwhile, the blood of that one that was slain, uh, the high priest went back inside, uh, back out of sight, uh, back through the veil, back through the curtain, uh, back into that holy place, uh, back into where God was uh, to make an atonement. This had to be done every year. Uh, for every year, uh, there was a new atonement that had to be made. Uh, year after year after year, all of those little goats, all of those little lambs had to die. Uh, God was wanting Israel. He was wanting His people to know then uh, what He still wants His people to know today. Uh, that your sin carries a great debt. And because your sin carries such a great debt, the only way that that sin can be forgiven is by the shedding of the blood of an innocent victim. So as they watched in horror, I'm afraid we live in a culture today that is going to custom to the side of violence and grown accustomed to the sight of blood. Uh, back then it was a different culture. It wasn't like it is now. Uh, they didn't have Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime and television. Uh, they didn't see the gore. Uh, they didn't see the guts. Uh, they didn't see the blood. Uh, so when the blood was shed before their eyes, uh, they understood uh, my sin has caused that blood to be shed. Uh, so he would go in and make an atonement with the blood of that goat. But here's what I wanted to get to. He comes back out after that and he lays his hand upon the head of that, lays his hands upon the head of that scapegoat. And my friend, he confesses all of the sins of Israel and he places them on the head of that little goat. And my friend, he, he, there's a picture in that. He would turn that goat around and he would face that goat toward the crowd and that crowd would look in that goat's eyes and that goat would look in that crowd's eyes. Do you understand that before Jesus Christ was crucified, 
Pontius Pilate did that same thing. He brought forth Jesus. He spun Him around. Our Lord and Savior faced the crowd and they looked upon Him and He looked upon them and it was there that our sins were transferred to that scapegoat and my friend, it says that they would find a strong, fit man to carry their sins out into the wilderness where never a man was inhabited. In other words, that goat would have been led by a fit man, a willing man, a ready man. That fit man is also a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought about how as they took that goat out into the wilderness and they would set up watchtowers. Now that's what Jewish history says. As a matter of fact, they would tie a string around the, 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 the throat of the goat that was going to be sacrificed and then they would tie a string around the goat according to history. That's not in the Bible, I don't think, but according to Jewish history, they would do that. And they said that that string around the scapegoats and that the people would know that God had transferred their sins. That red string would become white. And that ribbon would become white. And then Josephus and some of the historians say that when Jesus Christ was crucified, and the next time they tried to do that, it didn't change. Why? It didn't change because they no longer needed a scapegoat. The scapegoat was now... Jesus Christ who took your sins and carried them away into a place that never a man went and He came back without them. That's what the Bible teaches in Isaiah chapter number 53. It said, The Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. In other words, Jesus Christ have became that scapegoat that all of our sins were placed upon Him. He become that fit man they had watchtowers in those days. And in those days they would watch and they would set people on the tower. And when that fit man led the goat out into the wilderness, they would wait and watch. For how were they to know their sins were removed? How would they know their sins are forgiven unless that man came back alone and by himself? And that was the only way they could be certain. So they would set men up on these watchtowers and, and as they saw that fit man making his journey back from the wilderness, you know what they would do? They would begin to holler from tower to tower. I see the man coming and the goat is not with him. He's coming back by himself. Well, what does that have to do with Jesus? The writer of Hebrews chapter number 9 says, the, the next time that he comes, he will appear without sin unto salvation. In other words, He's now gone before into a land where no man could inhabit. He carried our sins there as far as the east is from the west. He's carried our sins and He's coming back alone. Our sins are gone forever. Thank God. Hallelujah. Thank God. All because of that scapegoat. Now, when they laid their hands upon the scapegoat and sent him out to the wilderness and that man came back alone, now, my friend, how do you know your sins have been forgiven? Because Jesus Christ rose from the grave. That's how you know. That's how you know that when He presented His own blood, He went behind the veil. He went into heaven itself. He didn't go behind the veil of the temple. But my friend, just as they watched, the high priest walked into that holiest place. I thought about this, that they had to watch Jesus Christ 
being placed into a tomb. And they had to watch him being sealed up. I bet that broke their heart. This was the one whom they loved. The one whom they trusted. They didn't understand what he was doing. Where was he at, preacher? He was going to present his blood. That's where he went. I believe you might not believe that. I believe that's where he went. I believe in those three days. I believe he took your sins, carried them out into a place. He was the strong, fit man. I believe he presented his own blood in the holiest of all before the throne room of heaven and before the throne of God. And so how do we know that God accepted that offering of blood? Because on the third day, He came out of the tomb and He rose from the grave. Hallelujah. Amen. So now our sins are gone. The devil likes to drag them up. The devil loves to bring that old goat before your eyes. The devil loves to bring that old goat before your face. He loves to drag up your old sins. But you know what? Those have been forgiven. That that goat had gone away even from the presence of God. In other words, from the Holy of Holies, from that tabernacle where God dwelt, He could no longer see that sin-bearing goat. And from where He sits today, if your sins have been purged, if you've been saved, if you've been forgiven, if you've been washed by His blood, even God who knows and sees all can never look upon those sins again. They've been carried away as far as the east is from the west. I said I wasn't going to preach long. I'm going to stick to my word today. Blessed be the scapegoat. Blessed be that Lamb of God. He took on every murder, every adultery, every bit of fornication. And no wonder He sweat great drops of blood. And no wonder as He hanged there on the tree, He became sin for us who knew no sin. The sins of the people in that time were symbolically transferred to that goat. The sins in our time have not symbolically, they've been absolutely transferred to the Son of God as He hanged on the tree. We know when it went dark for three hours, it should have been the noonday sun. Jesus Christ was crucified. It was noonday. And at noontime the sky went black. It went black as night. Why did it do that, preacher? That's when He became sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. From that point on, my life has been hid with Christ in God. And now there is no condemnation. And them who walk not after the, after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Why? Why can we be free? Why can we be clear from our... Because our sins were transferred to another. And His righteousness was transferred to us. And that way when God looks upon us, He doesn't see our forgiven sins or our past sins. He sees His Son. He sees His Son in us that have been born again. Oh, because... That son was both the offering for sin, he was the scapegoat for sin, and he was the only one that was fit uh, to lead our sins off into a place where they could never come back again. My friend, he's all in all. He's the great high priest. But he's not just passed into a place here on this earth. The Bible says he is passed on into the heavenlies. And therefore, he is a sure anchor to the soul for those that trust and believe in Him. 
for the remission of sins. A lot of people want to add. It's our, it's our nature. A lot of people want to add human doctrine into the plan of salvation. Not so. Not so. It's not the prayer I prayed that night at the altar. It's what He did. It's not who I am. It's what He did. It's not me. Though I was drawn and led to that altar to pray, it was. I don't remember what I said because it wasn't what I said. It's all in what He did. Glory to God. That way the power does not rest with mankind. It does not rest with me. I don't have to worry about did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Those priests, they had to be careful that when they laid their hands upon those goats and begin to confess the sins, what if I say the wrong thing? And the people outside had to be wondering, what if the priest says the wrong thing? What if he doesn't make a full atonement? But see, Jesus Christ took that all out of our hands. And He nailed Himself to the tree. And it's all about what He did. It's not just because of a time and a place. That time and a place may be where you believe, but it's not the time nor the place that saves. It's what He did on the tree. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. Thankful for the scapegoat this morning. That's all I've got. Come ahead with a song, brother. Thankful for the scapegoat. Thankful for that, that one who led Him away. Thankful that my sins will never, never come before me again. The devil might drag him up. He'd want to beat you down, beat you over the head, beat you down. You can't serve God. That's his job. He drives a wedge between you and God. But all you have to do is say, Satan, my sins were transferred to the Lamb of God. I bear them no more. Go ahead, brother.